I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, and welcome to the Biz Talks podcast. This is Rich Collins. Today, we're going to be talking to Mark Romig, the Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at New Orleans and Company, the destination marketing organization that promotes the city's tourism industry. Romig has had a long career in marketing and PR in the city and is perhaps best known as the Superdome announcer during New Orleans Saints games. Thanks for being here, Mark. So a new report from New Orleans and Company says that in 2019, New Orleans welcomed nearly 20 million visitors and those visitors spent more than $10 billion. Earlier this year, of course, the city had to shut down because of the coronavirus pandemic. The estimates are that we are losing more than $200 million of visitor spend in the city every week. Occupancy in downtown hotels is usually around 75% this time of year. Currently, it's between 5 and 8%. Where do we go from here? Yeah, you just gave some pretty sobering numbers on a, uh, a loss projection, and we did that as an average based on the spending that occurred last year. So um, we are in a predicament, uh, but you know, unlike uh, Katrina and the BP oil spill, uh, where the cavalry came to our rescue, um, everyone's in the predicament the, across the globe where they're in the same situation. So we're going to have to figure this out and raise our own sales up, uh, as we will, uh, but it will take uh, a number of years to do that. Um, as you know, we're now into a phase one launch of the economy uh, under certain guidelines, uh, and we've got to do the right thing under phase one to get to phase two. So there's a lot of personal responsibility there to ensure that we can go in that direction. However, uh, operating under phase one restrictions that the state and the city have given us uh, still uh, provides quite a challenge to the restaurant owners and to the attractions and others that that will need to get stood up again. Uh, Restaurants, most of those small businesses uh, operate on very thin margins. Uh, They usually need at least a 50% capacity to break even. Uh, So operating at 25%, you can imagine it'll it'll, be a way for them to get their doors open and get some operations underway, but it's going to take some time for them to be able to get into a point where they can actually have um, enough business to, uh, you know, stay in business, so to speak. Um, the important thing about this too is to do it the right way to get these jobs back online. We've lost so many jobs. There have been men and women who have either been furloughed or laid off through the last two months, and as we get the the economy back up, we want to be able to pull those jobs back in line, but. We're not seeing much activity really for this summer. Um, We probably won't see uh, occupancy levels out of the single digits until we get into late August, maybe even September. And then again, Rich, that depends on how we do for how we do for phase two and phase one. We've got to keep our guidelines kept and we have to do our job to ensure that we're keeping this virus at bay. it will be, I project, a two to three year period before we get back to where we might consider to have a normal tourism year like we had in 2019. Um, record year, as you said, 
actually the first two and a half months of this year started off fantastic. We had the national championship. Uh, we had uh, a, a very, very solid Mardi Gras. And then we saw the uh, the ceiling collapse uh, basically in mid-March when everything had to sh- be shut down. As the city cautiously begins to reopen, how do you guys approach the marketing? Yeah, so we have um, a plan in place to begin a methodical, soft launch of the messaging around New Orleans as a destination. We know that uh, the traveling consumer will be very careful and methodical as well about what what they choose to do. Um, Because we have uh, such an opportunity to reach out to what we call the drive market, we think that by going in a micro-marketing approach and slowly but surely reaching outside the city limits and inviting people who will feel comfortable getting in a car and driving into the city of New Orleans is where the consumer's mind will be. Uh, We don't unfortunately see people um, getting on planes for the time being. So it's going to be the drive market, I think, that will be our sweet spot for the next, I think, for the next several months. You'd mentioned in a previous conversation about a viral method of reaching people. How are you guys going to go about that? Well, initially, um, it's going to depend on what budget we have available to us. Right now, our revenue is basically stopped. We um, rely on um, taxes from the hotel occupant. Uh, They pay into an optional assessment, uh, and we receive dollars coming out of the occupancy. So when there's no occupancy, we're not getting any revenue at New Orleans & Company, which feeds our marketing budget. We have tried to keep some money aside in reserve for later in the year when we uh, we'll launch a, um, what we think will be a paid media campaign, but initially we're going to rely on our very aggressive social media and uh, public relations, or what we call earned media, where we're getting stories written about what is happening in New Orleans. We have, a, we have some great channels uh, via social media, and so, and we haven't stopped marketing the city. We are constantly putting out fresh content, reminding the consumers around the world the uniqueness of New Orleans, and we're getting so many wonderful reactions from people all over the world telling us how much they love New Orleans and they want to be back here. And as soon as they can, they will be. Uh, And we're following some trends. Uh, There's going to be a lot of pent up desire to get out and do things. However, we also know that it'll be uh, likely in that drive market uh, where we'll first reach out. So you won't see us advertising in Los Angeles or New York or Atlanta. We'll be messaging out via our social media channels and public relations to that, say, that I-10 corridor. Do you know the percentage of visitors who drive in versus fly in on a normal year? Yes, about 50% of our visitors are drive market visitors. Uh, and that can be either a day tripper or someone who actually spends the night. Of the uh, 19 million or so people that have come to the city in 2019, you could think about 12 and a half to 13 million of those actually spent at least one night, either in a hotel or with family and friends. The rest are people driving in, coming to a show or maybe to a Saints game, having dinner or catching a, uh, a festival and then driving back. And what's the difference between those two types of visitors? Is one more valuable because of spending? Well, interesting. Uh, the meetings and convention visitor actually spends a lot more than just the leisure visitor. Uh, and that would be for things like all the parties and receptions and dinners that come along with a, a corporate meeting or a convention or a trade show. Uh, the last number I saw, the, the typical leisure visitor will spend three to four days here. 
and they may uh, let go of about $1,200 per visitor when you consider the restaurants, the hotels, uh, you know, if they're going to go to the casino or do something like that. You know, every visitor is valuable from a standpoint of whether they're coming in from Slidell or uh, San Francisco, uh, but the spending of the convention and meetings visitor is a little bit higher, and, and that's a very important uh, business for us. Uh, that's a multi-billion dollar business for, for New Orleans. Hotel operators say their fall numbers look better than right now, but they're concerned about losing some of the business that's already booked uh, if the rules about gatherings don't change. So what's your feeling about what's going to happen for the fall? Yeah, it's hard to predict uh, because it'll it'll depend on the data uh, and uh, the, the decisions driven by our national, state, and local leadership as it relates to where we are in the, in the stage of the uh, pandemic. Um, I think, again, it's like we have to prove ourselves, and we're proving ourselves hopefully in a very positive way with phase one. And if we do that right uh, and we can show that we can curtail this, and, and as the mayor has been saying and the governor as well, box this thing in, um, you know, we, we could hopefully have a, uh, a fall that has these activities. I know there are still yet decisions to be made as it relates to the NFL and the NBA and um, uh, other major events like that. But uh, the mayor did make it clear that she did not want to see a large festival gatherings um, in the fall. Um, and again, I, I think we've got to uh, not so much speculate as to what, await, what uh, will not be there, but say that we're going to do our darndest to make sure that we can get back to some sense of normalcy soon. Having said all of that, it, it will depend, I think, ultimately on where we are with therapeutics and vaccines as it relates to the consumer feeling comfortable enough to be in crowds. Now, meetings and conventions, as, as restaurants are, you know, these are very controlled um, programs. So uh, unlike a, a festival where people are dancing and they're all over each other, you know, in a meeting or a convention environment, one could control that very well. You could you could do the spatial distancing and you can make sure that the hand sanitizers are all over the place and that people are wearing masks and, and that be part of the protocol. I think that they're still yet to see the guidelines for how that might look. So maybe a meeting is easier to bring back online than a music festival? I, I would tend to think so, uh, though I'm sitting on the, um, the Resilient Louisiana uh, subgroup around festivals and we're you know, we're looking at what are those protocols out there that we could offer up as advice to how you could maybe do some sort of gathering like a f music event or a festival uh, under the guidance of, you know, safety and health and making sure that all the things are done the right way. For meetings and things, is the way to make it happen by screening everybody and taking temperatures? I think there are, there are protocols that could be put into uh, play. Um, obviously, people who are attending meetings, they're registered, so you know who's in the meeting, and, and so that you, you can check that box. Um, and I, I think, uh, like a lot of businesses, as they come back online, uh, they're going to be taking care of the health and safety of their employees, and they will be ensuring that temperatures are checked. And if you feel like you're sick, then you're going to be isolated and sent home and right. sent to the doctor. So I think there are ways to do this. Uh, we just want to be able to uh, provide some guidance and advice as the uh, our leadership, you know, as they move down that road so that we can show them how certain things can be done. The Louisiana Restaurant Association has a very strong program uh, called Serve Safe, and it is basically it's a, a kit that shows restaurants how they should operate 
with safety in mind, guidelines, you know, this, the, the hand washing, the gloves, the masks, uh, and it's a complete um, kit on, on how to, you know, reopen and do this the right way. And it's, it's not mandatory, but it, it, most restaurants follow the suit because it's the right thing to do. It's common knowledge that the restaurants rely on hotels, especially downtown. What is the state of things for the city's iconic downtown restaurants? I, I'm fearful that some of our restaurants will not be able to come back. Uh, we've got to go back to Katrina. Right before Katrina, there were maybe 850 restaurants in the city. We're now at over 1,400. And a lot of that has to do because of the success of the industry, of, of, of the conventions and visitors coming in and people seeing opportunities. So they, they opened up restaurants, but they have, have been relying on the visitor really for the most part to fill their tables. Us locals, we like to get out and eat, but by far it's the visitors that have made this a, a, the restaurant boom that, that we've had. So what we see now is a, a situation where uh, these restaurants, some have had to close um, so far, and I'm gonna try to reopen. Uh, but it, it is a, except for these larger family operated organizations that have several restaurants within their, uh, their network, these are mom and pop businesses that have hardly any capital, if any, and operate on small margins. Is it true that we've been on a 13 year run of increased tourism? Yeah, pretty much, except for that one year where it was somewhat on the flat side, and that was when everyone else went down. That was that, that we had the recession. But for the most part, year over year increases, um, expansion of attractions, uh, more hotel rooms. I mean, we were we were in the boom period, and um, even through the BP oil spill, when we had the re-message that we didn't have water on Bourbon Street, we kept growing and growing, and we were operating against what we had called at the time the hospitality master plan, which is what the industry did right after Katrina to, to pull ourselves up. Uh, there were many things that we needed to get fixed. You know, the the um, the airport needed to get fixed. We needed to fix the French Quarter, and that's a work in progress. But there were things that we pinpointed that we needed to do to make sure we could bring these visitors back. And it's all about the spending that they do. You know, it's the spending is what creates the jobs. And so you get more visitors and more spending, you have more job opportunities. So it was always running that as the, the sort of the goal line. Let's get to a point where we can create as many jobs as we can under the guise that people will come and spend money here. People saw opportunity, they opened up new restaurants, uh, all the more reason for the National World War II Museum to keep expanding and, you know, the, the Audubon Nature Institute with those great attractions that they have part of that, like the zoo and the aquarium and the insectarium, everything just kept expanding and expanding and the cruise lines started to come in more often. Disney, they sold out as soon as they announced they had cruises coming out of New Orleans this year. And then, of course, uh, international, you know, with the onslaught of the air, airlines like British Air and Condor starting to fly over to Europe nonstop. That was a huge win for us. And how unfortunate is the timing that we finally had this new gateway to the city and then things had to shut down? Yeah, the airport did receive some federal aid in the, in the last CARES Act, which was very, very good for us. However, uh, a startling statistic uh, that has been floating around, normally that airport will see about 14 or 15,000 people upwards to 26, 27,000 people per day. Uh, Lately, it's been running about 500 people. So we're, they're off about 97%, and it's just because nobody was flying. Um, or the, the, and the flights have been uh, pulled back, planes have been mothballed for the time being. Um, so 
it, it'll take some time. Uh, Kevin Doliol at the airport thinks it's going to be at least two years or so to get back to where we were. But again, I keep stressing the fact that it's just not us. None of our infrastructure is broken. It's it's the, the people are the ones that are are the ones that are broken, so to speak, because you know it's either psychological they don't want to get out because they're afraid, or two, our leadership has decided to handle the virus in this way and to keep everybody as close as possible away from each other and and uh, and to deal with it from that standpoint. So it has depressed the entire uh, globe's thoughts about travel right now. Is there going to be a distinction between places that you have to go to, like major business centers, and the places that people want to go to, like New Orleans and other tourist hotspots? I think consumers are going to be making choices like that. Uh, I think in the fact that New Orleans was always a preferred destination by so many people because of our culture, uh, the food, the architecture, the music, uh, that we will always be up there and it'll be one of those things that people will want to come experience. People are experiential travelers. That's who really comes to New Orleans. Right. It's, it's that person that wants to get out and, and explore. Um, and I don't think that will change. And, and I think that will be in our messaging. But we will be ready when they are. You know, it's it's not going to be this heavy-handed communication. We want to make people feel comfortable when they're here. We we also want to ensure that they understand that our industry and our businesses are destined to be on the vanguard of, of the national protocol, so that we are at the highest standards of state safety as it relates to uh, what we need to do to ensure people that they can be comfortable while they're in New Orleans. Have the aggressive efforts to fight the virus taken by the governor and the mayor helped your case? I think it's a great story to share. We've been uh, uh, been very aggressive with this with this governor, with uh, parish officials, with our mayor, um, and also we've been recognized by the White House and the vice president um, and CDC for being aggressive and getting the tests out there. We were one of four sites that were chosen initially to be doing the uh, heavy aggressive testing, which was one of the reasons why our numbers were so high because we were testing and we were, you know, we were actually getting to the bottom of what the issue was. Um, so yeah, and we're going to be messaging that out because, again, consumers are going to be looking at all these destinations to see who's still hot and who's not, and who's handling it the right way, and who's being aggressive with the guidelines, and people are taking responsibility, and we want to show that we can do it. You know, New Orleanians have been through a lot and we've always come out of it better and we're going to come out of this much better is part of the job of someone in your business to get the message out about the city and then also deal with whatever disaster seems to come along every few years yeah you know it is a it, it is a daily uh, communication process because whether it's something that unfor- unfortunately someone um is the victim of a crime, and that story goes national. Um, though there are victims of crime all over the United States, uh, but you know, again, it seems to get elevated when it's in New Orleans, um, and we have to deal with the message um, that comes back to us from people asking questions. Um, but we're not at all shy about ensuring that people know that you know we have the visitors' uh, safety as a number one priority. Um, but yes, it's it's a daily occurrence for us uh, messaging. You know. New Orleans and Company as a destination marketing organization works for the industry uh, and it's very competitive. There are DMOs, as we call us ourselves, all over in every city. And they're doing the same thing that we're doing. They're trying to get people to come spend money in that city. And so we're fighting with the DMO from Orlando, from Dallas, from Austin, from Nashville, from, uh, from Charleston. 
uh, trying to put our message out so that people make the decision to spend money out of their wallet here. Right. If I can, I want to steer back to restaurants for a second. You mentioned that we've increased the number of restaurants in the city by 75% in the last 15 years or so. Do you think we are going to lose a percentage of those again because of current circumstances? You know, Rich, I hate to speculate because I want everybody to come back. Uh, a lot of it's going to depend on um, the workers, the employees who are available to come back as well. Uh, you know, it's folks are in a tough spot right now, and uh, some people may decide they're going to get out of the industry and do something else. Uh, it's still still too early to really um, put a number on that. I'm hopeful that we can all get this back and we can be bigger and better than we were before. Uh, we're committed to that. We're committed to ensuring that we can get as, that spending started back here. So 43% of the city's budget comes out of the retail tax that is spent by visitors uh, and related uh, activities. Uh, the city depends on tourism, you know, probably too much, but that's who we are and that's what, what we are as a city. Can you explain a little bit about what happened at the beginning of this year when the New Orleans Tourism and Marketing Corporation and the former Convention and Visitors Bureau have officially joined forces and become New Orleans and Company? New Orleans and Company is a rebranded New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau. It's the CVB, but it went the way of other destination marketing organizations to kind of represent more of what they do. It's, it's more about just conventions and, and visitors. It's all about the industry. So New Orleans and Company was born. And it's the tagline, it's the official destination marketing organization for the tourism industry in New Orleans. Last year in the agreement that was made between the city of New Orleans and the state and the industry, um, the marketing dollars um, would be re-evaluated and some of those dollars that are that are created through the taxes would go directly to the city for infrastructure issues. And then um, the marketing of the, of the industry would be consolidated over into New Orleans and Company. So I was with New Orleans Tourism Marketing Corporation. It was the leisure travel marketing group for the industry, but it was a quasi-city agency. The mayor decided that she didn't want to get into the marketing of the city. She wanted to let New Orleans and Company focus on marketing. So my entire marketing team went over and started working with New Orleans and Company January 1st. Recently, New Orleans Tourism Marketing Corporation was was changed into the New Orleans Tourism and Culture Fund, and uh, its board is being um, re uh, um, reconfigured, right. and um, it's still going to receive the occupancy privilege tax to help fund those issues that they will handle. But all the marketing of the city industry went over to New Orleans and Company. Did I hear correctly at an event earlier this year? when I heard some industry people talking about 2020 being flat compared to the last couple of years? Yeah, there was a projection going into the new year that we may have been running into uh, the beginning of, of a flattening. Um, it was just what we saw out there as, uh, was it gonna be a recession coming? People were kind of guessing, well, the next couple of years, um, things are changing and we just needed to be ready for it, but no one anticipated the change like this. How important is it for us to avoid a second spike? Well, everything is, is predicated on us getting through this and trying to get back to some sort of sense of normalcy over the next couple of years. Uh, a second wave and a hard hit uh, where we're back in the same situation and we have to start shutting down again uh, would be uh, would be disastrous for us. I think we've 
we've got to do what we can do to ensure that we don't have that second wave. I mean, someone said the other day that this virus is not going away. It, it will always be here. It'll always be with us. Uh, but what we can do is get get that vaccine, get those therapeutics so that we can manage it and uh, be able to um, start you know, living life at least uh, as we used to know it. But you're right. It, we've got to be very careful. And that's why it's important to start these habits now so that when it comes to the fall, it's it's not unusual that we're wearing our masks and we're keeping our distance and we're not shaking hands. We're washing our hands and doing things like that. Since New Orleans essentially hosts people professionally, do you think we can be at the cutting edge of figuring out how to do this in the new normal? I think so. I think given the opportunity for us to, to engineer the right way to, to do large groups and gatherings, you know, through the governor's uh, resilient Louisiana task force and the subgroups that are working with him, uh, providing advice and guidance on how that might look with, you know, with the, the right medical uh, experts weighing in, uh, we got to give it a shot and again, do it responsibly. Uh, this is the antithesis of hospitality is what we're going through. Hospitality is all about being together and uh, so it, it behooves us to kind of try to figure this out. This is our moonshot, right? This is our Apollo moonshot to get this right and do it right. Bring all the best minds together and make it happen. There's a lot of speculation about the start of the NFL season and whether or not there will be fans in attendance. Uh, in your role as Superdome announcer, what are you hearing? What are you hoping? Rich, I am not hearing anything. And I... Don't want to even get involved in that conversation. <laughs> so above my pay grade. Uh, I love the Saints. And, you know, it would be, um, you know, I, we have to wait for the, the leadership of the NFL to make their decisions in, in conjunction with with each of the states that they operate in, right? Um, but uh, I know how much it means to the fans to, to be there. And I know how much it means to the players to, to know that their fans are, are rooting for them in the, in the stands. I'm sure the NFL is going to make the right decision. And at some point, we'll be all together again. I just don't have any sense when that might be. Do you think if they decide to do some games without fans in attendance that you'd still be in there calling the plays? Rich, again, I have not been given any any direction. Uh, my fingers are crossed, um, and I would love to be able to to be there to yell first down Saints and it's good and touchdown Saints and there's a flag on the play, uh, all those great things. Um, but uh, I, I'm sure the right decisions will be made on that, and I'll be ready to go whenever they they need me. Um, I know. Uh, I look at my dad and in all the years that he um, that he did it and. And as my mom says, there are only two seasons. There's waiting for Saint season and Saint season. Uh, so it, it's it's in our blood, and I'll be a good soldier and do whatever they would like me to do, and 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 uh, pull for the Saints. Okay, we should end on a positive note. Do you have any thoughts on how this may play out, and about our city's resilience? Oh, we will we will come back, and we'll come back stronger. Uh, we'll we'll re-engineer a lot of things. I think the state of the industry. Um, will um, pull together in a very, very strong way. I think we'll re-engineer a lot of ways that we do things, and uh, things might look a little different, and we may operate a little differently. Uh, but uh, this city is 302 years old, and I don't see us going away.